the Onyx Pathcast. My name is Matthew Dawkins, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Dixie Cochran. Hello there. And Eddie Webb. Good day. And good day to you, and a hello there to you too. <laughs> and it is daytime at time of recording. You may be listening to this in the dead of night, uh, but don't let that break your immersion. Uh, we do hope you're well, audience. It's an interesting time, and uh, we've got an interesting show for you. We intend to conclude our Scion playthrough, which uh, we've, uh, we've certainly dragged out, uh, <laughs> but uh, not by design. It's just how these things have fit in. Uh, let's actually start, because we've not done this for a while, and I always like to. Uh, so, Eddie. What yes. book are you working on predominantly right now? Um, it's funny you should mention that. Uh, uh, I actually um, just got the manuscript from you for uh, NWA Unleashed, NWE Unleashed, um, which is our wrestling supplement for Aberrants. Uh, and this has actually been interesting, uh, not for the reasons that we would usually bring it up on this podcast, but um, it's been an interesting kind of co-dev relationship with you because for, for, for the audience's perspective... Um, originally I wasn't sure I was, I was going to develop it. And then, uh, timing wise, it turns out I couldn't be the lead developer on it. Uh, so Matthew agreed to be the developer because I was also writing a huge chunk of it, uh, specifically the, the mini game system. Um, but then Matthew took it all the way up to the approval stage and has now kicked it back to me. And now I'm actually going through and tweaking and just because there are a few things that Matthew wanted some advice and thoughts on. So it's been interesting as opposed to most of my other code relationships where it's been in sync, we've been working alongside each other to more of a handoff kind of, of developer relationship. And I'm actually kind of enjoying it that way because it gave me a chance to kind of take some space from it while you dug into it. And then now I can come back to it a little fresher and go, oh, okay, I'm noticing these things we can tie together and blah, blah, that perhaps you couldn't pull because you're in the middle of it all. Um, so it's been actually really, really fun to do that. And also it's been fun to just kind of, even though it's a, it's a serious book and delves into some serious things like uh, um, the drug use that sometimes happens in the wrestling industry and uh, accidents and injuries um, but also it is a little cartoonish and so it's been fun to kind of just have that that break from the the what can be um, a little serious in Trinity yeah uh, I, I certainly enjoyed it and uh, the in a way the thing I enjoyed most was writing the lexicon at the beginning <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, of, of wrestling terms and terminology uh, and yeah coming up with the example uses of swerve of bump and push and nuclear things heat. like that yeah. yeah nuclear heat uh wow pharaoh's got nuclear heat right now after he insulted this town sports team or the like <laughs> um but no that it's been a lot of fun uh, and i'm really happy with how that book has turned out it's only a small one but i think it will it will definitely appeal to the wrestling fan and hopefully it will uh, engender some people who aren't into wrestling to give the RPG a go. That's the big challenge. It's, right. uh, it's one thing to try and sell an RPG, which is, a, we always call it a niche industry or on its own, but selling a niche RPG about a niche hobby <laughs> being wrestling <laughs> is uh, is another challenge all on its own. But uh, I'm sure... Well, on we'll the flip side, I mean, best. you know... Um... We, we, I, I know we've talked before about the fact that this is um, a bit, there's a little bit of Street Fighter role playing game in its oh, definitely. DNA. So if you like fighting games, if you like MMA, mm -hmm. um, if you, or if you just want a, an interesting little kind of 
dice combat system that's a little different from other things you've seen. Um, it's very flashy, but not very crunchy. Um, there's lots of other things. You, and also, you know, we dig into things like, um, we actually have rules for, for um, Mox and Plus, which are two of the drugs that are mentioned in uh, Aberrant. So there are rules for that in there. And there's a couple of new... Um, uh, uh, role paths and whatnot. So there's other stuff in there that even if you aren't interested in wrestling, there's still some fun little bits in there that might be useful for an aberrant game. So there's a lot more in there, but but you're right. It is interesting to kind of dig into a small kind of chunk of the aberrant world and, and give it its own little space and see what happens. Well, and the Trinity Core world. Uh, a world that's an aberrant adventure because mm-hmm. or aberrant book because it is set at the same time as aberrant and includes uh, things about Novas in there. Uh, there's an entire division of wrestlers uh, and performers who are just average uh, individuals made using the Trinity core rules, using edges mm-hmm. from Trinity. So yep. you never know. You never know. Might be able to market it to two different audiences. What about you, Dixie? <laughs> what about you, Dixie? What are you working on right now? Uh, still plugging away at some Exalted Essence Redline so I can get that back to the uh, writers pretty soon here. Um, just finishing up a couple other little projects. There's like a lot of stuff that just needs to be done right now that will take like a day here or a day there. And it's all like, you know, sometimes you get just like a wave of small things that just kind of washes over you and you're like, oh, God, what do I do with all these things? That's that's kind of where I've been at this week. (laughs) Do you still get that sense of satisfaction when you knock a small thing off your list? Sometimes it depends on how small it is. If Mm. it's like something that takes, you know, 30 seconds, maybe not so much. Like, if I'm just, like, you know, forwarding edits to somebody else, I don't really consider that, like, a task accomplished. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, when it's when it's something like, okay, I edited this, you know, 10K jumpstart or 8K adventure, whatever. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a, a little dopamine hit. It's not, it's, not, it's not the big one of, like, here is this massive book. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because um, Kat Evans, one of our... Uh freelance writers uh, who who was worked for several companies not just ours mm-hmm. uh, has turned in her final draft on Trails of Ash and Bone for Vampire the Masquerade, one of the books I'm developing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, do I need to do anything else from this point? Because I think this may be the first project of ours that she's worked on. Uh, mm-hmm. So she wasn't entirely sure of the process. And she said, yeah, do I need to do anything else from this point? And I said, well, I may need to check some map with you and things like that, but or ask you for your ideas on art notes. But otherwise, you know, you are free. Uh, I have filed your first phase one pay sheet, as it were. And she said, that's excellent, because I can now achieve the sense of satisfaction that comes with ticking something off of a spreadsheet. I thought, hey, <laughs> you do it too. <laughs> this is clearly a ritual many of us have uh, to think, yes, I've done it. As soon as I can knock it off the spreadsheet, that's when it's officially done. But yeah, that's the thing I'm on right now. Uh, the All the drafts are in for Trails of Ash and Bones. So that's another big scenario book for Vampire the Masquerade that largely covers Ooh. Hecata nice. and associated cults. Uh, not restricted to the US either. There's uh, a Copenhagen one. There's Birmingham in the UK in there. Uh, yeah. Oh, we've got Atlantic City, of course. And uh, I of used, course. yes, of course. And I used um, uh, a lot of inspiration from my discussion with Dixie on the subject of Atlantic City. So uh, it's I, so weird. It's such a weird place to go. And I will put you in the special thanks. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, Eddie, Atlantic City is weird. Um, it didn't used to be quite so weird, but definitely since uh, Hurricane Sandy. 
Mm. Um, a lot of the casinos there never recovered from that. Oh. Um, like there were a bunch of casinos that lost their gambling licenses because of trying to deal with the damage or what it like. I, I don't know all the, the history behind it, but that means that there are quite a few places that used to be casinos that are now just hotels with really big empty floors. Oh, geez. <laughs> um, some of which still have like the signage hanging up in the ceiling, but all the machines are gone. Mm. Oh, wow. uh, so they make any money that they make by renting them out for like conventions and stuff. Um, and like some are still doing okay, but a lot of them are not doing great. Uh, we were at the showboat in Atlantic City for HLG Con a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and or like a year and a half ago. And that's like if you like, you know, peeked behind a, a random door, there was like a, a restaurant that was completely just disused and like clearly nobody had been in there for quite some time. But then the common areas looked like okay. <laughs> but uh, they clearly couldn't afford to keep it up as well as they would have liked to. So yeah, it was just a weird place and a weird experience. And all of Atlantic City kind of has this weird vibe of like, it tried really hard to be Vegas and it failed. Yeah. Right? Um, and all the all the houses and stuff that are kind of just on the outskirts, like none of the neighborhoods look nice and like well kept from what I saw. So yeah, it's just, it it, it, it feels like a dying city. So uh, to mean, all you listeners from Atlantic City, thank you very much for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am sure that anybody that, that lives there has opinions on all of this oh, stuff. Because, I have no doubt. Like it's it, it it does feel that way. Like there's a main drag where like some of the stores are are fine and some of the hotels are fine. And then there's the stuff on the outskirts, it's just like it's it's a little strange. It's a weird place to be. The uh, we've got one other scenario set in Florence, uh, so that's a that's going to be a lovely one. That's written by Joshua Allen Deitch, and mm. um, he has a good mind for the historic domain and sort of incorporating the architecture into the story, and that's something I really wanted him to do with Florence, and he has achieved it, to my opinion. So yeah, uh, yeah. in short, I'm really enjoying reading through this one. Hopefully we'll get it off to uh, Paradox soon for approvals. And yeah, then it'll be on to the next big project. Of course, at time of recording, uh, next big Kickstarter will be, or the next Kickstarter in general, will be uh, They Came From Beyond the Grave. Woo! Yeah. Uh, barring misfortune, which uh, hopefully won't occur, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that's looking lovely from the art perspective. Obviously, I already think the manuscript is great because I developed it, but the <laughs> art, is, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the art is rolling in from a lot of very talented people, and especially some of the full page posters of nineteen seventies esque horror movies uh, are. Are fantastic. I think the majority of them we're naming after monsters from the uh, from the book. So we have a poster called "The Brides of Dracula." We have a poster called "The Stalking Killer," and nice. and so on. And I don't know if we've got one for the devil himself in caps, but I think we should try the devil himself. The devil uh, himself. And yeah, they're just being rendered in this gorgeous style that I can't wait for prospective backers to see. Uh, it will. I'm so excited about this one. Mm. 
It will look different to Beneath the Sea. That, In a way, that is making me apprehensive because stylistically, all of these They Came From games and the potential for the next one that we discussed at Onyx PathCon, which I guess we haven't really talked about on this podcast yet, Onyx PathCon, because since we ran it, we've just been uploading episodes from Onyx PathCon, haven't we? Um I had the realization a couple days ago that that was only like two weeks ago, mm. and my brain exploded. I'm old Frodo <laughs> because because it's <laughs> it's such a weird time right now where time is both like condensed and also feels like everything's taking forever. Mm. Right. And so, like, I uh, yeah, no, I I definitely had that weird moment uh, where I I was like, oh, that was, that was a couple weeks ago, and then I was like, wait. That really was only a couple of weeks ago. It feels like it was a month and a half ago or two months ago or what have you. Yeah, back when we were young. and uh, But yeah, uh, my point was, uh, all that they came from games are going to look stylistically different because they are each set in different decades and attached to different movie genres. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I've got an odd feeling about that. I like it, but it's not what we typically do with RPGs. You know, you want some commonality so that people, when they're reading it, have that sense of comfort that one book kind of leads into the other. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's not to say I don't like what is being produced. I think it, it all looks beautiful. I'm just going to be interested to see how it lands. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that each uh, They Came From book is going to reflect stylistically whatever genre it is. Mm. Yeah. Like, I think that's a better way to go, honestly. I mean, you know, it, it, that's just, it It makes sense. Yeah. Like, if, if They Came From Beyond the Grave looked all green and watery, that would be weird. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be red and bloody and shadowy and dark. Yeah, exactly. Eddie's favorite words. I was, uh, I was, I was sighing because I knew that's immediately where this was going. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if Eddie has seen or if you were copied in on the email. Uh, I was asked to name what the backer levels would be. Oh for... yeah, I saw those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for beyond, I wasn't on that email. For beyond, well, for beyond the grave, uh, one of the backer levels is if you're a retailer. Of course, you can order uh, what five, ten copies or something. Yeah, it's like five copies. And uh, I've. Uh, opted for the name what was it Dark House of the Bloody Shadows or something like yeah. that <laughs> did you do that just to mess with Eddie yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean it sounds like it could be a name of a 1970s no, horror totally. movie it, a particularly it, it, it cheap is, one it is the nice intersection of both being an actually accurate thing that Matthew should put in a situation while simultaneously a stab at me yeah, it's the perfect combo really uh, it feels like a bad translation <laughs> of an Italian horror movie or right, an Italian, uh, yeah, an Italian title for the house that dripped blood. Right. Uh, you know, the, mm. their their transliteration was the dark, shadowy house of blood. I can see that. Yeah. So not not to disparage the Italians, but come on. Anyway, <laughs> I remember like renting bad horror movies with my dad when I was a kid, and. The disappointment that would come when one just ended up being boring. Mm, yeah. Because <laughs> I remember renting from a, from a video rental place. I must have been about 12, maybe a little younger. Uh, the uh, house that, that bled to death, which is very boring. It's so boring. And then, like, there's it, it, it's, it's just not, like, all the times where they're trying to build tension, it, it, it's not. It, it, it's just 
it's just boring. Like there's a scene where a, a, a pipe very slowly detaches itself from a wall and very slowly moves itself over to like the center of a table where a bunch of kids are having a birthday party and then blood just starts pouring out like really bad fake blood. <laughs> but it takes so long to get to the payoff that you're just like, okay, like I know what's going to happen because you're showing me this pipe for like, it felt like 10 minutes. And then it's just, yeah, uh, it's, it's so weird. I have seen that film. Oh my God. Uh, and, and it's and, bad, right? Yeah, I think it may even just—it may just be an hour long. I think it was one of a series of um, short movies uh, that were made as a compilation around that time. And yeah, it is all building up to—you keep hearing noises from the pipes in the ceiling, and it just has these long cuts yeah. to people's faces looking in consternation and confusion up at the ceiling at the clang, dong, <laughs> bong, ding, yeah. and it's just moving along the blank unadorned ceiling because of course you're following the pipes and of course can't see where the noise is coming from and then short of the sound effect of the pipe moving across you do have children playing at a birthday party birthday party they might be doing pass the parcel or cutting the cake now which, which point yeah, i think i think it was the cake yeah technicolor blood starts uh, gushing forth and <laughs> cuts to the mother as she screams and i think that's pretty much the end of the movie so I just looked it up. It wasn't actually a, a movie. It was part of the... It was one episode of the Hammer House of Horror. Yes. But it was, I guess, rented as a standalone thing back in 1996 or 97 or whenever I read it. Um, or rented it. Read it? I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Could uh, have had but, subtitles but, but yeah, so that's, 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 that's why it, you only remember it as being an hour. But it was just a really boring hour. Like... <laughs> I had seen like I had seen bad horror movies that were at least fun to watch, mm. and that that episode of that TV show, I guess, was not fun to watch. It was very just okay. I get it. I see what's happening. No, it's uh, I bought my my dad, uh, I guess, uh, several years ago now a DVD of Hammer House of Horror. So that's probably where I saw it, and. It's odd. Um, I remember Mike at one point, Mike Cheney, our art director, posting on Facebook that he was going through the Hammer House of Horror and thinking then, God, there was an awful lot of crap in that compilation. It's one of those um, series that I think a lot of people look back on with a misplaced fondness because it's got the word mm. Hammer and Horror <laughs> in the title. and yet, Possibly. And yet they're all so cheap. And there's really no payoff. There's an episode where there's a haunted tree uh, where that has the premise of... It may, it's a haunted tree or a stone circle. Uh, a mother and daughter move to the countryside. I don't think you ever find out what happened to the father-husband. But they, uh, they move to the countryside. They're told by locals there's something odd going on in the field near your house. So you feel like there's going to be some kind of payoff. And I think at the end, the mother goes for a walk in the stone circle or past the tree and just disappears. And that's that's pretty much it. It's like an M.R. James ghost story, but not very good. Uh, because <laughs> because his, his ghost stories were those... Uh, and, of course, there's lots of short movies of M.R. James stories, too. Um, his stories were based around the sort of single twist where someone would be booked into a hotel, they'd hear lots of noise from the room next door, might sound like demonic chanting or just hammering on the wall or screaming or something like that. And the person 
from next door, theoretically, knocks on this tenant's room and says, will we keep the noise down? And the tenant says, the noise is coming from your room. And they have an argument. The aggressor goes back to their room. The noise starts up again. So they both leave their rooms. They realize a room has appeared between their two rooms. They're a bit freaked out. They don't know whether to open the door. They decide not mm-hmm. to. They go to bed. That's the end of the story. And the room is gone. <laughs> the room is gone by the morning. Now, when you're, when you're reading it, it's actually quite chilling. And because it's nice and short and punchy, it works as a short ghost story uh, from, sure. I guess, turn of the 20th century. 19th, 20th century. But yeah, as a movie, those kinds of things struggle to work, I find. Yeah, I gotta say, I was I was looking at the Wikipedia page for Hammer House of Horror, which only had like 13 episodes, mm. um, all that came out in 1980, and some of the descriptions of the episodes are pretty not interesting. <laughs> like, I'm not interested in this. Like, uh, the, uh, the Two Faces of Evil, which is one of the ones that's often packaged with the House that Bled to Death, just says, setting off on their holidays, a family give a lift to a sinister hitchhiker. After the car crashes, one man is dead and one man is injured. But which one? What? Mm, like, yeah. Is that a mystery? No, but it's a plot hook for for an adventure. <laughs> Twist: the dead man is also injured. Yeah the the description for the house that bled to death is pretty great. It's, uh, after buying it for a good price, a couple and their young daughter move into a house that was the scene of a macabre murder. A series of terrifying events eventually force them to flee for their lives, but all is not as it seems. Uh, it's never it's so never then, what it seems. First, for, first of all, it tells you the whole yeah. plot right there. <laughs> like. Uh, I love the uh, description of a murder as being macabre, as if a murder could be anything less. Than, um, they they <laughs> move into the boring yeah, murder. Yeah, exactly. They move into the house where a rather dull and uninspiring murder took place. Um, not much happens. <laughs> the, they use the word macabre a lot, actually. In these, uh, I think I, I think my favorite description is just. Uh, a young woman convinced she possesses the reincarnated spirit of a murderess walks the night seeking out new victims to fill an ancient prophecy for death. Features Pierce Brosnan in one of his early screen roles. <laughs> well, that's me, sold. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that this is basically just an adventure generator for the game from Beyond the Grave. Well, yeah, I say, put, you know, shoot low. We don't need to... Uh, we're not aiming for the stars here <laughs> with, with stories for they came from Beyond the Grave. I'm not expecting people to walk away thinking, well, I just rewrote The Shining. Although, certainly, if you if you want to, feel free. Uh, I think it's... They'll be slightly better than The Hammer House of Horror, but really, it depends on the group. And uh, th- Peter Cushing's in at least one of them. The Hammer House of Horrors. Well, of course he is. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he needed some beer money, and the that, that's not even implying he was a drunk. It's uh, no. <laughs> although it, it does sound like it. Um, I need to buy groceries here. I'll, I'll show up in this episode. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, wonderful. Uh, we'll we'll get onto. I know we we never get onto the game, but we will get onto the game. There's a wonderful movie that I've referenced, I think, in the uh, in- inspirational media section of They Came From Me on the Grave called, I think it's Deathline in the UK, and it has a different name in America. Oh, God, that annoys uh, me so much. Uh, and, and it's uh, set on the London Underground. 
It was apparently distributed as raw meat. In there the you US. go. See, uh, and thank you so much for looking these things up so quickly. And um, the general premise is, and uh, this premise got reused about thirty years later in arguably a better movie, uh, the name of which I forget. That there is a family of cannibals living in the London underground. And you've got, um, basically, when you get off the last train at a certain stop, uh, at like 1am in the morning and there's only two of you on the platform, uh, you can hear a voice from down the tunnel just repeating the, the voice that is that comes over the um, automated service on the London Underground. So it's saying, mind the doors, mind mm-hmm. the doors, and beware mm-hmm. the gap. And this is all this voice can say because this person has been uh, bred, um, well, infantile, basically, uh, due to the fact it's an incestuous cannibal family, the the best kind. It's always an incestuous cannibal family. Like every piece of media that I've seen that has a cannibal family, they're always like, also this. And it's like, okay, this is all right. What's particularly odd about that movie, and yet one of the most charming things about it, is Donald Pleasant's plays one of the lead roles and he appears in a lot of these horror movies um Mm. and there's a scene where donald pleasance who is playing a bumbling detective for the metropolitan police and his partner are approached by a member of the ministry not the satites uh just the (laughs) ministry uh and uh, you know in a sort of worn you know, keep away from the London Underground. You know, this isn't for you to investigate. But, sir, there's been uh, several missing people. We can't just close the case on that. I'm telling you to keep away from it. And it's a single scene, and it stars Christopher Lee. And Christopher Lee is, of course, the deep-voiced ministry man. The weird thing about the scene that he appears in, and it is only one, and it's never touched upon before or after, it just happens... And mm-hmm. after okay. this government warning of don't delve into the tunnels, they just delve into the tunnels. Right. Is he is clearly not on the same set as anyone else, and <laughs> and and the fact that he is not even seeming to be referring to what has previously occurred in the movie feels like mm-hmm. this is a scene that was cut from another film yeah, and thinking. spliced into this film, because he just speaks in very vague terms of, we know what you're doing, Inspector, and then it cuts to Donald Pleasance on the other side of this room that's dressed completely differently, and he says, but there's seven missing people, sir, you know, what am I supposed to do? He says, I'm telling you not to go into the tunnels. And it just goes backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. You never see Christopher Lee with anyone else. He just stood there by a dresser with this big mustache on him. You know, he's it's his mustache. He's not standing next to it with his elbow on it or anything. And <laughs> and then Donald Pleasance walks off. Christopher Lee walks off, and that's it. But so hmm. yeah, uh, sorry, I have I have context and trivia. Ooh, okay, done. but yeah, it's just one of those wonderful things I love about sort of that nineteen seventies, early nineteen eighties movies that are so damn cheap, and yet so desperate to get Cushing and Lee in them or Price uh, or Pleasant that they will just take footage from absolutely anywhere to do it. So t- give me your trivia. Blow away my expectations. <laughs> well, the first bit of trivia is that the cannibal was originally supposed to be played by Marlon Brando. Wow. Uh, but he had to back out when his son became ill. Um, but here, 
Here's the, the the fun piece to go on with your thing. Christopher Lee agreed to do the film for scale because he wanted to work with Donald Pleasance. Despite this, the two never shared the screen together due to their large height difference. Director Gary Sherman kept them in separate shots until Lee sits down at the end of the scene so that he wouldn't have issues fitting them both into the same frame. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, you know, nice of Christopher Lee to accept scale. Uh, <laughs> to appear in some a classic like Nightline. I'm guessing he saw the script and thought, damn it, I've got to be in it. Uh, it's got yes, Donald Pleasant. And Marlon Brando, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to make his son ill. I can't have him upstaging me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the biggest plot hole in that movie that I recall is this um, line of the London Underground. Well, the London Underground itself has only existed since the 19th century. And yet the uh, level of degeneration that this incestuous cannibal family has gone through in the course of like two generations is really quite startling. They are supposedly mutants. You know, they have, they have bodily changed into something inhuman um, because mm-hmm. of like a brother and a sister decide to have a baby and hide out in the underground and everything else is this mutant cannibal. But I guess in the arena of uh, cheap horror movies, that's a pretty safe bet, isn't it, for an antagonist? I feel like there's a Florida joke yeah. in there somewhere, but I'm not quite finding it. <laughs> oh, poor Florida. Poor Florida. <sighs> anyway... <laughs> Speaking of Florida, Florida. yeah. Speaking of being, yes. Speaking of Florida, isn't that where a game takes um, place? Speaking of Florida, and a flashback to when uh, Faye was told by her father, "Don't go into the tunnels." (laughs) (laughs) Faye's Faye's father is Christopher. This is now playing Hades, of course. Um, I wonder if Christopher ever played Hades. He should have, shouldn't he? Yeah, he should have. Yeah. I mean, Hades is her. Her dad's the mortal. Though. Yeah, that's true. Although, she's, wouldn't it be interesting? She's a Satyana yes, Persephone. Um, so. Yeah, you're not, it isn't that both of your parents are gods? Um, so yes, Christopher Lee played Persephone, and <laughs> no, I was going to say it's like, it's like it's not that her her dad was played by Christopher. Her, her dad actually is Christopher Lee. Yeah, he <laughs> is Christopher Lee. Yeah. <laughs> He's not, he's not played by Christopher Lee. Like there's 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 all this weird backstory about how she like secretly comes from money and you know doesn't really think about it and all right? this stuff. And so like she just grew up as a child of a famous actor. She has changed her last name to uh, <laughs> to avoid anyone knowing because Lee is definitely not a common last name. <laughs> except except no, right. unless Phaedra physically resembles Christopher Lee, in which case you may want to change the surname to avoid the connotation. It's the mustache that throws you off. <laughs> yeah, the seven yeah, foot yeah, tall yeah. mustache. <laughs> um, again, not the mustache that's seven foot tall. I'm saying Faber <laughs> is seven foot tall. It's not some Civil War mustache. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't know Christopher Lee was six foot five until I read that, and then I had to look it up. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a bunch of films where they've had to put people on boxes in front of him to, uh, to, to make anything... You know, look reasonable. Peter Cushing was tiny, I think, in comparison to him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I remember he had to... Didn't he have to wear elevated boots for... No, no, that was it. In Star Wars, he refused to wear the boots of all the uh, other Imperial characters because they hurt his feet too much, so he went around in slippers and refused to be shot from the knee down. According to Wikipedia, Peter Cushing ah, was six There you go. Uh, maybe he just looked small because he was always in shot with Christopher Lee. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, so yes, Faye and Kean had made their way into the deep, dark sewer drains of Miami, uh, where I'm yep. sure nothing nasty dwells. Nope. Uh, yeah, oh, no, it's fine accompanied by uh, one, well, your lovely companion um, by the name of Oscar, uh, oh, who, Oscar, who had, it seems, had a change of heart. Um, he found his heroism, it seems, <laughs> and agreed to go on ahead to redeem himself because of all the times he has screwed you and other people over, despite being free from his curse. And so, having discovered that there is a giant down in these uh, storm drains, among other things, mm -hmm. and that your quarry, uh, a scion by the name of Dion, is possibly trapped down here, you decided you would go to a pawn shop uh, and acquire anything that looked like it could possibly be of value. Oh, yeah! <laughs> yeah, we did do that. I totally forgot uh, what all we did in the last session. Okay, because, I remember now. We got, like, a baseball bat, but also, like, a big yeah, urn. Uh, yeah, you got a couple of things that you thought would be worth trading if... Uh, well, essentially, the idea was... The giant may not be all that intelligent. Certainly, the giants of myth don't always operate on some higher mental plane, and they can be bought off with valuable or shiny looking trinkets. And so, mm -hmm. if I recall, you bought yourselves an urn, a large one, and uh, you also bought yourself a bowl. Uh, marked with various, uh, you think, Aztec runes. Right. If that's the correct mm -hmm. term. Uh, and I think you also picked up some jewellery, didn't you? Some smaller some smaller accoutrements, but uh, the urn was the big one. And that was the yes. one you were making Oscar carry ahead of you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so is there anything else the two of you want to add before we get back in? We had some kind of uh, yeah. You did pick up a baseball bat. You nearly lost it to the water, but because you because Kian scored a dramatic number of successes, uh, yep. he managed to recover it. I did. Did did I have a weapon? Didn't I have something like a blunt instrument or a knife or something? I thought I, I had something. I forgot. Yeah, I, didn't write it I down. feel like you may have, and I'm quite happy to say I, it was a long time ago, listeners. And I know you may be thinking, well, the episodes are right there. Why don't you listen to them? We're very busy. So I'm I'm happy to say, for the sake of argument, that yes, uh, using your deleted scene cinematic, you have uh, acquired a weapon if you didn't already have one. No, no, I did because I asked if there were any weapons, and then I asked if I could grab the one that looked the least right, decorative, yes, the right, most like yes, actual yes, functional. Right, right now, because we're talking about the, the junk, yeah. uh, uh, katanas and yeah, the like yeah, the like crap crap katanas, like all the, right, all the cosplay right, weaponry, yeah. and like I I acquired something that looked like it could actually be yeah, the moderately lethal. I remember that desk now. katanas. Right. <laughs> yeah, those are not what I was grabbing. <laughs> 
Okay, and what had occurred is that when you entered the main chamber uh, where the giant laid, uh, you found him whacking mm-hmm. someone, it seemed, strung up uh, by this silvery white goop, uh, mm. like he was some kind of pinata. And this ambrosia seems to be coating most of the surfaces in here and uh, dripping down into the drainage runoff below. Mm. Uh, the giant and Almops, uh, or Almops uh, individual, is, well, was, seems to have been uh, making some kind of nest for himself. But as soon as you arrived, Oscar decided to take the initiative, announced your presence, and held the urn aloft. And that is where we ended the last session. And so, so I guess we'll just kind of see how this plays out. But I am grabbing grabbing my bat yeah. just in case. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like wielding a sword, but it's like, you know, strapped to my side. I'm like ready if I need to. But also I don't want to fight yeah. this giant. So The uh, Almops is, as we ascertained before, very large, uh, over 15 feet tall, over closer to 20 feet, and about just as broad. Not the kind of person you're going to be able to take down with any particular ease. If you're swinging your bat at him, you'll be lucky if you hit his waist. Um, but when he hears the voice of Oscar, he wheels around, creating a crunch and squelching sound as you think he grinds some of this ambrosia through the drainage grate beneath his feet. And you can see now, as he does so, that the ground beneath you is... um, It looks like it's iron, filled with holes, like many of the crossing platforms down in the sewer. Um, So how it's managing to stand this giant's weight, you do not know. But it creaks and grinds as he turns around, he sniffs, looks down with very small, beady eyes. He doesn't appear to have seen the two of you. But his eyes are on the urn and then they're on Oscar. What are you supposed to be? And Oscar stutters a little. I brought you this urn as an offering. We we wish to retrieve our friend and wish to pay this to you as tribute. What am I supposed to do with that? Uh, you could put some of the ambrosia in it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a one man here because I am I am enjoying Oscar and <laughs> Oscar giant. and the Giant by Roald Dahl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, this isn't a big friendly giant. He um, he looks around at the ambrosia dripping off the walls and from the ceiling. Says, mm, "You might have a point there. Could be nice to have a." large receptacle for it. He's 
He's, uh, he's looking the urn over as if assessing a new car on the uh, on the forecourt. Mm. <laughs> How much do you think it contains? I don't know. I've not measured it. <laughs> Just slap the side of it. You can fit so much ambrosia in this bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, let me tell you what. Um, and I've got another eight of these outside. Uh, fresher ride, still wrapped. Now... Do you think I could fit you in it? Why would you want to do that? And, and uh, anyway, I'm t- far too tall. I think I could squash you down to fit into it, and then maybe roll you back out again, or throw you around if you're still breathing in there, till you turn into paste. Again, he doesn't appear to have seen you. You can see now the giant's face is largely meat as one's face often is but to the uh, point that his extremities and orifices <laughs> are minute uh, he has a small pinched mouth a tiny little nose and these eyes that are black beads frankly his ears are redundant and yeah for the most part his face is just a big slab of ham okay so then um while he's threatening our our, our i use the term friend loosely um but you did use it yeah i did use it uh can, can i sneak around to try to get to the captured kid well, there is a staircase and a gantry going around, so yeah, you could get up to his level. Bear in mind, he's hanging from the ceiling. Uh, so, yes, you could certainly give it a, your best shot to climb up. What I would recommend is do an athletics and dexterity roll, please. Okay, those things I'm pretty good at. If you have any, uh, let's see... Hmm. If you have any knacks that might assist you with this, I recommend no. using them at this point. No, it's um, it's it's. I, I, there's a knack I want to use in a moment, but mm. um, that's four successes. Four successes. Okay. Uh, what you're able to do is keep your feet planted on the ambrosia that's lacquering the surface so that you're not going mm. to start making the metal creak or essentially echo your footsteps through the chamber. And while it's slippery underneath you, that number of successes is more than enough to bar off any complications uh, that you know make okay. you slip and slide. So yeah, you're able to get up to the top of the gantry. You're around head height now with the giant if he was standing up straight. Right now he isn't. He is leaning forward and uh, not being terribly respective of Oscar's bodily space. Just sniffing at him. (laughs) Um, One of my knacks is uh, with a glance, which allows me to diagnose something with an alien target uh, without a roll and any pertinent medical information. So I look at this kid, see if he's injured. Yeah, uh, the individual that's suspended from the ceiling does look injured, um, bruised and battered. Uh, they are alive, however. By the way their arm is twisted, uh, you think that uh, it's probably broken, if not dislocated. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I was looking at my necks, I realized all of them are both combat, so until we start a fight, I can't actually help this guy. That's... <laughs> so you can say, hey, ugly, over here. Right, um, just smack him and then, quick, heal him. Um, 
Uh, what about you, Faye? Uh, is there anything you want to do while uh, the giant is is intimidating Oscar? Uh, I think I'm going to try to stay against like the wall and the shadows a little bit while uh, Kian is over checking on him because I'm like mm-hmm. I'm like Kian can probably get that guy down, you know, because uh, he is the athletic one of of the two of us, and I'm just trying to keep an eye on the situation right now. Um, in case it all goes very badly. And also looking around to see if there are any other people Good in there question. that I see that are Thank trapped. You, Dixie. Uh, are you edging around the room as you're staying in the shadow, or are you staying exactly where you were in the uh, alcove of the entrance? No, I'm like edging around right. the room trying to That's scope important. it out and see So what's going on. if you could make for me... In fact, I'm not going to make you make a roll. Uh, you are able to see that, yes, there is another individual who is pretty much bound to the wall at ground level. Uh, it's at the opposite end of this chamber mm-hmm. uh, in a big, thick goop of gold. And you can just see a head, two hands, and two feet protruding from the ambrosia. Uh, they're presumably bound to it. Mm-hmm. It's a young man. Oh, hey. Could be. Uh, you, but you don't necessarily have a way of signaling that to Kian. Well, you could point frantically and hope he sees Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I will I will try to catch Kian's eye, but not, you know, not catch the giant's eye. Mm-hmm. I can get like behind the giant or try to like try to get over to where that person is because if, if there's two people here we sure. should try to save both it's of them. what heroes should like, do clearly. so let's see uh you're sneaking now so i'm gonna ask for the same role from you which may not go quite as well it's uh, athletics of which i know you have nil <laughs> and dexterity please yeah I think there's also as we've just started yeah. a new session you've got a point of momentum as well should you wish to use it Okay. I got two successes. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to allow it. You sneak your way around the room without alerting the giant to your presence. And you're able to get as close to this uh, goopy individual as as you feel you can. the ground mm. around him has been worn away of ambrosia, so you think that it's going to be far more difficult to actually get right next to him and not make some kind of sound. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Kian, uh, as we're saying Faye is staying in the shadows, I'm just interested to know, Eddie, where do you think Kian has been looking? Do you think he is looking in the direction of where Faye would be, or do you think you're going to be keeping your eyes on the giant and Oscar and this guy hanging from the ceiling? Um, I feel like it, it, he's going to look to make sure they're both okay, and when she sees that she's gone from where he left her, he's going to then look around the room to try and find her. All right, then. Let's go for, I think... To avoid any kind of panic, because after all, she's just disappeared. Right. Uh, let's go for integrity <laughs> and cunning, please. Oh no! I, I have cunning. I have I have two dozen cunning. <laughs> <laughs> this is a six <laughs> dice roll for me, but for well, Eddie. I didn't botch. <laughs> 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 you do have momentum if you want to use it, but likewise, if you want to fail, you can get another uh, point of momentum here. 
Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. And it might be worthwhile. So it's 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 one die per point, right? Uh, yes. Okay, there we go. That's one success. Okay. Uh, you do catch sight of her then. Um, okay. She is on the edge of where you could, you don't you can't see the person that she's next to. All you see is a big goop, um, but uh, you can see that she's on the other side of the room now. Okay. Um, One success. That is all you are given. Sure. So I don't know. I, I mean, I see that she's there. I'm like, okay, so she's going around too. Um, uh, I, I have a bat. I don't have anything to cut this person down with. You don't know how, I guess, how tight this ambrosia is, how much give it's got if you start pulling on it. Um, the giant speaks up again. I can smell something about you. Just about. I can smell goodliness and godliness on you. You're not the first to come down here that smells like that. Mm. You probably won't be the last, but you do taste better than the rest. No, 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 please, don't eat me. I've got this urn. I Really, the urn. As far as, far as I can tell, I've got you and an urn. You don't enter into deals with people like me, little one. Look, I, I, I'm here with friends. I, I, I have... I have oh, backup. God, really, you don't want to be starting a fight with me. You, the giant stands up straight, and then he looks around the room. Oh my God, Oscar! Well, I'm late. So yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, you are—you're not in shadows. You're not in any cover. Nope. He do, even with his limited sight. Um, when he stands up, looks to the right, nothing. Looks to the left. Oh, yes, he did bring back up, and there he is, right at my nose height. How far away is he from me? Oh, about 15 feet. Ah, uh, shit, okay. I was pull you could... You... No, he's about 20 and he's how tall, tall again? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah he's large. Okay, he's bigger than I was. Uh, you could, um, in terms of system-wise, system, system wise, yes, he has scale on you. Um... Now, right. that doesn't mean that you're not going to be dramatically successful. <laughs> uh, if you want to try a running bat at him, uh, but you would pretty much be diving off the gantry while you're doing it. So, Right. That, that's not a plan I want to engage in just yet. Um... So you're going to try, you're going to wait and see what he does? Yeah, I'm going to see if he um i'm gonna yeah I'm, I'm gonna definitely have the bat ready um in case i need to like smack his hand or something but uh otherwise um i'm also going to try to keep his attention so it, it's you know kind of like just just seeing what he does but you know if he starts looking away i'll start talking to him um to try to give Faye a chance to do something <laughs> no pressure. Oh, great. <laughs> no pressure. This is some kind of trap from children of gods. 
And he waves his hand clumsily in the direction of the gantry. Uh, you think that if he hits it, he's probably going to knock you off just from the shockwave alone. Uh, but he isn't interested in having a conversation with you. Okay, then I'm going to try to jump on his hand. That's a smart move. Uh, well, it would be if you succeed. So what? let's see. Athletic. <laughs> this could be a calamitous <laughs> move. Um, so the role of the day apparently is athletics and dexterity, but that's what we're going to be asking for. One, two, three, four, five, six. Wow. <laughs> Well, this is where Kian gets to show his heroism. Apparently, uh, this Ooh, is something. Sports. Yeah, this is something Fedra's right? never seen before, and uh, not that he hasn't been heroic. Just this uh, great athletic prowess. He talks about sports a lot, but he's never quite displayed it. Well, this is this is definitely Kian's moment compared to my like you know. Kate Blanchett yes, and Lord of the Rings <laughs> yes, moment true, from last true. time. So, uh, so yeah, you you leap quite successfully onto the hair of his forearm. Uh, you leapt a little farther than maybe you even intended, but that allows you to gain a purchase. And now he's trying to shake you off. Uh, but damn it, that many successes, you've, you're dug in like an Alabama tick, as they say. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, so if, I, if I'm on his arm <clears throat> yeah. uh, with my dots of medicine, can I deduce a, a pressure point to knock him unconscious on his arm well like, on, like, like sometimes like Ooh. under in in the um the armpit there's sometimes yes that's true if you want to crawl into the almops armpit <sighs> uh, things I, I do for this party <laughs> <laughs> i will allow it that is a fantastic idea um so yeah sure let's I'm not even going to make... I think that's such an inspired idea. I'm not going to make okay. you roll your medicine for it. Cool. But I am going to make you roll, once again, your athletics. Ah. No, this time, your close combat and your dexterity, because you are essentially trying to hold on, grapple your way into his armpit, and push and push that pressure point in that rancid den. <laughs> oh, no. Three. Ooh, okay. I'm going to make a uh, contested roll, of course. Okay. Uh, because he is trying to swing you off. So let's see how many successes you end up with after this. Okay. I'm using an electronic dice roller, and I'm too lazy to edit in sound effects. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, Here, thank you very much. Like, yeah. roll clatter, some clatter. For you. There you are. You are left with a... <laughs> you are left with a weak and yet decisive single success. And so, yeah, it's a close-run thing as you swing and barely hold on with your fingertips, first to the crook of this giant's elbow, then to his bicep, and then you scuttle around like a bug on him and find yourself, yeah, buried inside his armpit. The giant doesn't know what you're trying to do, honestly. He's just right. quite concerned at this point that you're even doing it. And, yeah, then you use all that medical knowledge. So, 
Uh, I'm going to quickly cast to Dixie. Faye, are you going to allow Kian to do whatever he's going to do? Are you going to attempt anything while he's doing it? Because I'm still going to make him roll to see whether this is successful. Um, yes, there is a pressure point. That doesn't mean he's going to hit it. So you see what Kian mm -hmm. has just done. You don't necessarily know why. And Oscar is still standing there tentatively with an urn looking like he's. <laughs> and I'm still behind the, the giant. He hasn't seen me. Uh, that is quite correct. He has not seen you. He stepped back a little way, uh, almost bumping into you, but he's mm, completely he unaware of your presence. Wonder. He is distracted. Uh, hmm. Should I try to, like, cut his Achilles tendon? <laughs> it's very painful, but it would bring him down. You could. It definitely would, and it would also alert him to your presence. So it's whatever you consider most important. Staying hidden, doing whatever you I need to... I think actually while he's in, distracted, I'm going to try to keep know, an eye on what's going on, but I'm going to try to free this kid while he's distracted right now. Because it's like, okay. if nothing else, I'm hoping we can you know make a run for it if we can't bring him down. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fair. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do a, uh, let's see, I think close combat and dexterity to quickly cut through okay. all of this ambrosia, if you could. It has a certain right. amount of I, I figure it's like gross spider webs and horror movies and stuff. Um, Very three much successes. so. Three successes, okay. Uh, you are able to cut through it. Excellent rolling today. And yeah, you managed to cut through it. He is in a state of... Well, he's in a bit of a daze, but he mm -hmm. acknowledges that you're there. You wouldn't be carrying dead weight. Uh, you do have the opportunity now to essentially loop your arm around him and make your way to the exit. Yes. Um, but but Kian is, of course, nestled in the giant's armpit for some. Reason. <laughs> I'm not going to breathe for a week. No, uh, and I, I hope you. I hope you wash for a week uh, intensely. <laughs> <Yeah. Right. laughs> Nothing um, but I am being going in to the try, shower. Like once, once he's kind of like looking at me, I'm gonna, you know. Hold my finger to my lips, like in a be be quiet kind of way, but also just whisper like Dion, like try to see if it's him. Okay. He nods lazily as okay, if cool. drunk. So yes, I will thing. start trying to make my way as quietly as possible back to the entrance with with him. Okay. All right, and Oscar, seeing that you have got someone. Uh, throws the urn at the giant because screw this he gives you a big smile and a thumbs up now that the urn isn't in his hand oh my god and he i was hoping to well. use him to get the kid out but so i could help kian but uh all right asshole <laughs> to be fair oscar has one skill which is running away and he's good at it no he has another skill and that's <laughs> pissing people off that's true that's true <laughs> you are doing him a disservice, sir I don't want to diminish his many accomplishments. <laughs> uh, so back to Kian. Uh, now, right. now is the time. Now is the time. Uh, now I'm going to be generous and say that medicine is a skill you can use for this. Oh, thank God. Um, after all, this is less to do with combat and more to do with nerve endings. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's go for medicine. And which attribute do you want to pair with it? 
And I'm not going to well, accept I mean... presence or composure. <laughs> oh, there was that fan. Um... <laughs> you, you, charm, you charm him to sleep. Uh, intellect? I mean, you know, knowledge uh, you... of the system? Okay, go for it. Oh, good, because I have nine, nine dots in total of that, so... I hope this is a roll where you ones. fail. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, five. Woo! Okay. Uh, it's not actually easy, given, again, there is a certain level of scale involved here. Oh, sure. uh, you're not. You're not just prod gently prodding uh, the thin membrane of a weak creature. You're essentially jamming your baseball bat into the nerve cluster in this creature's armpit, hoping that you do so hard enough to make him fall over. So, right, but I mean, with the best successes, I can I can buy out the skill, and also I can get some enhancement from the bat, so I mean, between all yeah. that, I should be able to... Exactly. Uh, so, all tension aside, uh, I'm going to make one more roll to resist to see whether he's essentially able to squeeze you out of his armpit by bringing <laughs> his arm down to his uh, the side of his chest. There's a funny noise. <laughs> oh god, how did we bring it into this episode? <laughs> it will never. It will always be with us. They are our fatty horns now. Just like oh, the smell no. of this armpit. Uh, well, I was looking for a botch, and uh, unfortunately, it came from me. <laughs> Uh, somehow he misses his own ribcage with his arm <laughs> and and flails in the opposite direction, I guess. Uh, no, maybe, even... maybe, he, maybe he's so surprised he actually jerks his arm up. Yeah, he could be scratching his head thinking, what the hell is this godling doing once, once go, he's yeah. finished? I'll pick him out and kill him. Uh, but either way, you have free reign to just ram the baseball bat into his armpit, as one does. Uh... <laughs> That's a you expect to say today, I'm sure. No, uh, you know, usually once a month, and I'd already done one this month. Uh, so, and it's only the first of July. So, yeah, he. You can't see the giant's eyes from inside where you are, mm -hmm. but they do go cross-eyed, uh, and he crumples. In fact, I think it's more dramatic that he doesn't crumple. He just collapses. He, you know, like a tree in the forest. And that means we need a little bit of speed from Faye, please. Uh, <laughs> given that you are towing along a drunken scion. Uh, so there's a complication here. And I would like... Hell, why not? Another athletics and dexterity, please. <laughs> You do have a point of momentum if you want to use it. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was muted for a second there. I got... <laughs> ah, oh that was excellent tension though, so well done. Good <laughs> yeah, two use, successes good use on of mute. roll. <laughs> <laughs> You buy off, uh, I assume you're buying off the complication of being able to pull mm -hmm. Dion to safety as well. And not just yourself. Okay. Okay, so you still have one success, which means you are successful. 
In this game, a success is a success. Complications just make things more complicated. But you buy off that success, which means you save not only yourself, but also the scion you went Woo. came in here for, and avoid the Almop's head from crushing. What a beautifully cinematic moment. The giant just comes crashing down. Yeah. It is. And uh, Kian rolling out of his armpit like some kind of... <laughs> I don't know. I don't want, even want to consider <laughs> one. Um, like some kind of thing. Now, uh, what I'm going to do is say one more of these roles, please, Kian, medicine, and... I'm going to make it medicine and intellect again. And okay. I'll give you... I'll tell you afterwards what it does. Oh, okay. That's one. Mystery rolls. Hmm. Uh... Three, four, four. Four, okay. So you effectively have four turns to uh, get back up onto the gantry and unhook oh, right. that other person before he okay. starts waking up. Okay. That's, that's, He's not going to stand bolt upright if his physiology is anything like a normal human, but no. he will start getting up again in about four turns. So you have to hot foot it. Okay. To make sure I make another uh, Dex and Athletics to get up there. Can I help yeah, in any way? Like, it. can I give him my sword so he can cut through the thing easily? Uh, yeah, you, definitely. Um, I, for again dramatic purposes, I don't think you need to roll for that. If you want to heroically yeah. throw him your sword, he can grab oh, it by the chest. Yeah, goes right through his neck. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phaedra, why? <laughs> Yeah, I like I like know that you know Kian's definitely going to try to save the other person because that's what Kian does and that's what we do. So I'm, right. I'm like I'm like here, take this. Right. Um, while I'm trying to get Dion out. Yeah. Okay, that's lovely. You throw the sword, Kian. I'm you catch it. Um, okay. Faye, you only think afterwards. Probably you're not going to want that sword back yeah, well. where he's been. Um, but yeah um, let's do your athletics and dexterity might be the final roll let's see how well you do it's the final roll uh, one, two two yeah. okay so I'm equating those successes to two things uh, we had four turns before the um, giant starts mm -hmm. waking um, mm -hmm. you managed to get up there in two turns um, and that means, essentially, you have another two turns to get back down. Uh, in fact, there is going to be one more roll. And, no, in fact, again, dramatic <laughs> license. I'm going to allow you to sever that ambrosia with the sword in one fell swoop. It's not okay. terribly heroic to be hacking at it going, Come on! Come on! <laughs> While the giant is... Oh, God, please! <laughs> Why didn't we bring a chainsaw? Just, uh, just crying and hacking an ambrosia. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, you uh, you sever it in one fell swoop, and as you are carrying this, it turns out it's a young woman. Uh, as you're carrying this young woman back down the stairs, you can see the Almops is uh, climbing back to his feet, trying to shake off the groggy feeling of having just hit the ground face first. Go go yep. go 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 go! We're gonna book it. Okay, you don't know where Oscar went. You've lost sight of him yeah, entirely, and it may not be your 
Yeah, exactly. May not be a priority as an enraged giant bellows multiple times, I am Almops, son of Poseidon! Ah! Son of Hele! Son of Poseidon! And you can hear things smashing and tearing and iron gantries crashing and then brickwork mm -hmm. falling. As uh, the four of you, uh, the two of you and the two dazed individuals, uh, are, well, you make your way out at speed. Thankfully, because of the ruckus that the Almops is causing, the uh, great sea serpents that were living in the drains are thinking, you know what, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're, we're not, this isn't an incitement to start feeding. This is an incitement to hide in our holes. Uh, yep. So they don't lash out at you as you run by. Uh, the, the waters are relatively Ooh. still. And you pour out of the drainage entrance in a far less heroic way than you went in. Um, <laughs> and yet, with the person you went and in one extra. to save. The only person missing. Yeah, and one extra. How about that? Bonus XP. The only person you don't manage to save, or at least you don't know where he is, is Oscar. No sight of him to be found. I feel like if we keep playing this game, he's just going to turn up like a bad penny every freaking few hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, probably. Uh, but only at crucial, inconvenient yeah. moments. Right. Because so, so, epilogue, then. What do you do now that you have Dion with you? And this other individual, a uh, young woman by the name of Julia, who just happened to, unfortunately, be um, taking a walk up M Miami Beach, uh, at which point she recounts to you that a strange guy sitting at a drainage entrance said there was a party going on <laughs> in the uh, storm drain. So, um, why do you listen to guys at sewer entrances? <laughs> I was already yeah. drunk at the time, and I could hear yeah, noise right. going on in there. It isn't the strangest place to have a party in Miami. I, I actually can't argue with that. It's... Um, but yeah, yeah, so, yeah she, she's um, happy to say thank you and go on her way. Yeah, I figured get her to a was. cab or whatever. Yeah. Um, then burn all my clothes. Yeah, um, probably call our contact <laughs> and say that we have Dion. I always forget right. her name. What's her name? Uh, Dietrich. Dietrich. Right. I, yeah, so we probably call her and be like, hey, so we got him. There's still a giant in there. He's pissed off. But we got Dion out. And also, he's the child of Sion, or Poseidon 2, so... So there's some yeah. family drama going on? Uh, um, I obviously can't speak for my father, <laughs> or why he might install a guardian like that in a storm drain, or whether indeed he did um, decide to do that, or whether this Almops was uh, just proclaiming his divine heritage because he thought it sounded intimidating, I don't know. But I'll make sure that the uh, the question goes up the right channels in case he poses any threat outside of his small domain. Uh, I'll make sure everyone who needs to know doesn't go anywhere near that sewer entrance anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's probably a good plan. Yeah. Uh, but, um, and she, of course, meets up with you to retrieve... Dion, they have a big hug, and um, there's a couple of brief emotional moments before she starts getting angry at him, him and saying, "Why are you 
running around with tattoo lizards and uh, entering storm drains, and he's sorry, he's sorry, but he's young, he hasn't ever had any <laughs> guidance, really. And the rest, um, before she puts him in the car and says, we'll be having a proper talk when we get back to the hotel. But I'm glad you're back. Yay! And she is with the two of you, and says, I think this is probably the right time for well for the two of you to make the next step on your journey uh, I mean it's not for me to make that decision but it feels like that time is approaching you've been uh, among the rank and file punching up for quite a while now and I think the two of you are heroes didn't just save one of ours you saved one of the mortals, one of the innocents, and that goes a long way in the pantheon of the gods, no matter who you are or who you're descended from. So, mm. thank you. Feel worthy. And she looks at Keon and Keon and says, and please have a sh shower. <laughs> but, oh, God, yes. But you, you truly have done two heroic deeds, and that is not for nothing something of great import. So, congratulations. I have a feeling either myself or someone else will be in touch with you soon. If you don't feel the pull yourself to uh, go somewhere and find something further out about yourself and your fate. How does that yeah. feel? Heroes, she says, smiling. Eh, it's good and bad, but mostly good. It's fun, anyway. They're they're not all sewers, <laughs> she says as she's getting into this. Good, good. I was, that, that was the first question I was going to ask. Is it? Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm done with sewers for. <laughs> yeah, and and please, both of you. Oh, and and yes, uh, of course, the the money I sent you, the credit card, that's yours. Uh, I I make sure accounts transferred into your name. I know you don't didn't do this for money, but least I can do to get you some new clothes and, please, and such you. like. Uh, and yes, I'll, I'll be in touch. I'll be in touch. But I currently have a, a scion of Dionysus to uh, slap about the head. <laughs> Sounds good. Have fun with that. And uh, leaves the two of you at the cabana bar where you uh, encounter Dietrich. Mm -hmm. First time ever giving Key in a wide berth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, not the worst smelling person in Miami. And that is where we shall end our adventure. Yay. Zoom, at, you know, the credits fade in over a, a bonfire and Kean just in his boxers. Yeah, well, thank you very much, both of you, for playing Scion over a very extended yeah, this has been period. Fun, though. No, it's not a fun. Yeah, the only thing yeah. about oh, about the extended it. period was having to like remember what we were doing every single time. It's like it's yeah. like it's like watching yeah. a TV show, you know, six months between episodes. Where you're like, wait, what happened mm. last time? Okay, I, I I just need my my you know previously on to like roll. Yeah. Well, luckily, it was a fairly uh, focused adventure, I suppose, in terms of yeah. characters and locations. So there wasn't too much for me to keep in mind, which is helpful given I was running it. Um, so yeah, no, I was I was happy with that, and I hope the listeners have enjoyed it as well. It's uh, shown some of what you can do with Scion. Uh, we've hopefully displayed that the system itself is very simple. 
um, have incorporated things like knacks as and when we could, mm-hmm. and momentum as and when mm-hmm. we could. Uh, but largely, it's been more about the characters and the universe uh, that you're interacting with. The idea of um, of titans and gods and not all of them necessarily getting along any one time. Some of it was created just by me for the sake of narrative. Uh, Things like Ambrosia, I don't believe have been written up in Scion in the way that I've written it up. Yeah, no, it's it's Uh, different. Yeah, but it's just creative license, and uh, I'm sure anyone who wishes to run Scion can do the same thing or different, and we'll have a lovely time with it. So, yeah. Thank you very much, both of you, again. Thank you for running it. That was fun quite all right so i think that's actually a good time to call our episode to a close so dixie if people want to find you online where will um, they go most social media i am dixie cyanide pretty easy and what about you eddie um you can find me at uh, pugsteady.com or pugsteady on social media and they can find me on matthewdawkins.com as clack click bang on twitter do tune in to our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the Onyx Path, uh, where there's often Scion games running, among many others. And with that said, many worlds.